Well, this morning we're continuing our Advent sermon series entitled Every Family Needs a Stable Foundation. Joshua is one of my heroes in the Bible. Joshua, after he led the Israelites into the promised land, he, he gathered up all of the different leaders from each of the different tribes and he made this declaration to them. In Joshua 24 we read, Now therefore fear the Lord. And serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Man, what a great declaration this is what a great man of faith who was committed to serving the Lord and making sure that his family served the Lord as well. Have you made that declaration for your family? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I pray that if you haven't this Christmas, you will do that very thing. As you gather around your, your tables this Christmas, may you make it the declaration that Joshua made many years ago. As we continue our Sable Foundation series, I want us to continue to look at the lives this morning of Mary and Joseph. Last week, we looked at Joseph, the man God chose to raise his son. You know, Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus, but he certainly was the man that Jesus referred to as his father here on earth. When you think about Mary and Joseph and the nine months that led up to the birth of Jesus Christ, you don't see a stable foundation, do you? You see uh, uh, two young lovers that are anything but experiencing stability. It appears that Mary has had an affair. Joseph is shamed because the love of his life is pregnant out of wedlock and it's not his child. And it appears that these two young lovers are on their way to divorce court. What the world witnessed was anything but stable. But what Mary and Joseph experienced was the very presence of the Lord God Almighty in their life. This morning, let's focus in on, on, on um, Mary. And our message point is this. Mary, a simple girl favored by God. Years ago, a young mother was making her way across the hills of South Wales, carrying her tiny baby in her arms. And, and a blizzard swept through where they were walking. And she never reached her destination. And when the blizzard had subsided, her body was found by searchers beneath a mound of snow. As they dug her body out, they realized that she had taken off all of her outer clothing and wrapped her clothing around her tiny baby. And then she hovered over her baby. And when they unwrapped the baby, they realized that the baby was alive. She had mounted her body over his and given her life for her child, proving the depths of her motherly love. Years later, that child, David Lloyd George, grown to manhood, became prime minister of Great Britain and without a doubt, one of England's greatest statesmen. You know, there's something about a mother's love, isn't there? You know, when I think about my wife's love, 
for Connor and Caitlin, I am certain that most of the time she would take a bullet for those two kids. Maybe not all the time, but most of the time I think that she would take a bullet for them. You know, I think about Mary being that kind of a mother. She knew that the day would come when she would have to release Jesus into the world. But until that day came, I can just picture her love for him and her protection over him and her desire to keep him from harm. If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 26 through 38 together. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and it says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and we call the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And then he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Then the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is Luke chapter 1, verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Say that with me. For nothing will be impossible with God. One more time. For nothing will be impossible with God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this morning, that nothing is impossible with God? Know this, that no matter how big your giants may appear to be, God is bigger. God is bigger than your sicknesses. God is bigger than your finances. He's bigger than your job struggles, bigger than your family problems, bigger than your relationship problems, bigger than your friendship problems. Mary believed that God could make the impossible possible. Mary knew that and trusted the Lord when nothing else made sense. Notice point number one this morning. It's this, the impossible task. The impossible task. God is the God of the impossible. When God tasks us with something that seems impossible, God always reveals to us how it is possible. And that's exactly what we see in Luke chapter 1. The angel Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her in verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. What an amazing conversation this must have been between Mary and the angel Gabriel. You know, very little is documented in the Bible about Mary. But what is said is more than enough for you and I to know what kind of woman 
Mary was. We know that Mary was a righteous woman. We know that she was a woman that was found to be in right standing with God. We know this because, first of all, she was a virgin. And we know that, that had she not been, she would not have been qualified to be the mother of Jesus. We also know that she found favor with God. And we're going to look at this a second, in a second, but this word favor means grace. And then we also know that Mary was a humble young lady. And we're going to read this verse multiple times this morning, but verse 38 of Luke chapter 1 says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary was a humble young lady. And within this discourse, the angel Gabriel on two separate occasions tells Mary that she is favored. In verse 28 we read, And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And in verse 30, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. This word favor means full of grace. You know, there was nothing supernatural about Mary. You realize that, don't you? There was nothing supernatural about Mary. The Catholics have elevated Mary to being the second Eve. Just like Jesus was the second Adam, they believe that Mary was the second Eve. Meaning that the Catholics believe that Mary was sinless just like Jesus was sinless. They believe that from the time Mary was in her mother's womb until the day that she died, she was without sin. Obviously, there is zero evidence for such a claim in the Bible. In Ecclesiastes 7.20 we read, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then in 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul wrote this, For our sake... He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Had Mary been without sin, don't you think that somewhere in Scripture it would have been documented? Mary was not supernatural. She was not without sin. She was a woman who was found to be favored by God. She was a woman who God had bestowed his grace upon. Grace is this. Grace is God's unmerited favor. God's undeserved favor. Mary did nothing to earn God's grace. It was given to her. Just like you and I did nothing to earn God's grace. It was given to us the moment we trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, and 8 through 10 make this abundantly clear. We read this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. You and I have been saved by grace. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. You know, we come together at Christmas and we celebrate um, around our trees on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. We celebrate by giving each other gifts, don't we? Those gifts, we didn't, we don't, as we receive those gifts, we don't pull out our wallet and pay for those gifts, do we? 
No, we accept those gifts. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. What you and I deserve is death. But that verse goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life. Salvation is a free gift given to us by God. We don't earn it. We see in verse 9, it's not a result of works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You and I are saved by grace. We're not saved as a result of anything that we do. We are saved by grace. But know this, you and I are not saved by works, but we are saved unto good works. We are saved to work, to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mary accepted the work that God had for her life. In verse 38 again, it says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You know, there are many different meanings for this word servant in the Bible, but this particular meaning here means bondservant. What Mary was telling the angel Gabriel is this, I am a slave of the Lord's. Let it be to me as you say. Please know that God chose Mary not because he could make her into a servant, but because she was already a servant. Her life for sure changed the days that that she was tasked with being the mother of Jesus, but her character did not. She was a young woman that was truly set apart by the Lord and committed to doing the work that the Lord had tasked her to do. Mary was tasked with being the mother of the Son of God. Let me ask you ladies a question this morning. How many of you would have wanted that responsibility? Think to yourself, young ladies or old ladies, whoever in this room. Um, and I don't mean old as in old. Just take, take that. Um, young ladies, mature ladies, etc. okay? Um, ask yourself this question. When you were a young lady, would you have wanted to be tasked with being the mother of of Jesus. Preacher and theologian Dwight L. Moody stated this, for 4,000 years the world had been looking for Christ. Prophets had been prophesying and the mothers of Israel had been praying and hoping that they might be the mother of that child. Think about that. Could Mary really have anticipated being the mother of Jesus? As, as chosen by God for such an important task. Is it possible that she actually hoped for such a blessing? If she did, did she really know what awaited her as she was going to be the mother of Jesus? Was she prepared for the ridicule? Was she prepared to be ostracized? Did she anticipate the loneliness? Did she know the burden and the sheer weight of such responsibility as ushering in the Savior of the world? She would be responsible for for raising Jesus during his formative years. Eventually, though, she would have to do what every mother has to do. She would have to release her child to the world. The difference between Mary 
and every other mother that has ever walked the face of this earth as Mary knew the outcome for her son. She knew that he would be rejected. She knew that he would be mocked. She knew that he would be betrayed and beaten and spit upon and pierced and crucified. She knew these things. And sure, she knew that Jesus would be the victor in the end. She knew that in the end he would defeat death. But I do not think this helped this mother who was troubled in heart as she witnessed her son live the most oppressed life of any man that has ever walked the face of this earth. I don't think that helped this mother as she witnessed the trial of Jesus the moments before he was led to the cross to be crucified. I don't think that this helped this mother as she witnessed Jesus being bitten, beaten and rejected and crucified and die the most excruciating death ever known to man. She knew all of this would happen. And she knew the outcome. She knew that no tomb could contain him. Yet she still must have been a broken mother as she witnessed the birth, the life, and the death of her son. Mary was a real mother that experienced so many more pains um, than any of us in this room have ever experienced. Because she knew before Jesus was born the outcome of her son. She knew that Jesus would live a perfect life and ultimately go to the cross and die not only for the world's sin, but her own sin as well. Notice point number two this morning. It's this, the impossible conception. We know that God is the God of the impossible. Mary was a virgin, and biologically speaking, a virgin birth is an impossibility. That is, unless God... Is involved. Notice what the angel Gabriel said in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 through 35. Again, we read this He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of of God. God has a history of doing the impossible through his created, doesn't he? He has a he has a history of doing the impossible through his faithful. Think about some of these great men of faith throughout human history or that's recording in God's word. By faith Enoch walked with God and was no more. By faith Noah built a giant boat during a time that had yet to see rain. By faith Abraham was obedient to God and offered up his promised son Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Moses delivered the Israelites before the gates of the promised land. By faith, Joshua shouted and the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, David defeated the giant Goliath. By faith, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow to the image constructed by King Nebuchadnezzar. And as a result, what did God do? Delivered them from the fiery furnace. By faith, Daniel was delivered from the lion's den. By faith, Nehemiah rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. By faith, Peter preached and the Holy Spirit fell. By faith, Paul went from being the number one persecutor of Christians 
to the number one persecuted. And by faith, Mary obeyed and became the mother of Jesus. This poor, humble, peasant girl was graced with being the mother of Jesus. What amazing God that we serve. We serve a God that makes the impossible possible. He takes what is impossible for man and makes it possible through him. When you look back on your life, how many times have you witnessed God make the impossible possible? Think back on your life. How many times have you witnessed God do the impossible through you? In verse 34, Mary asked the angel Gabriel a question. He says, or she says, how will this be since I am a virgin? You know, if we just read this verse without the following verse, we would think that Mary was questioning God's ability to do the impossible through her. After all, if you read Luke chapter 1 from beginning to end, you will see that, that a, a few verses ahead of this verse, the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. And, and we read in Luke 1.18 this, and Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. In this verse, we see Zechariah actually questioning how God could possibly give him a child when he and his wife are beyond the age of childbearing. And as a result, notice the rebuke that came his way. In verse 19, And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent, unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Zechariah, for his doubt, would remain mute until the day that John is born. Mary, on the other hand, was not rebuked, which indicates she was not doubting. But what Mary was trying to do is to wrap her mind around how in the world this impossibility could possibly be made possible. And that leads us to our third and final point this, this morning. And it's this, the possible response, the possible response. Verse 35 through 38, we read, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. God is the God of the impossible. He takes that which is impossible and he makes it possible. Biologically speaking, a virgin birth was an impossibility and is an impossibility. But for God, nothing is impossible. How will Mary conceive a child? Notice what the angel Gabriel says in verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This would be no ordinary child. This child would be Jesus Christ. The word Jesus, the name Jesus means the Lord saves Jesus will be salvation wrapped up in flesh. 
Jesus was born for our salvation. You know that, right? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. In, in Acts 4, 12, we read, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. His name is Jesus, meaning he saves. He is salvation. Jesus Christ came to this earth and lived a perfect life so that you and I, when we repent of our sins, we can come um, in, we can enter into a relationship with him and be saved from our sins. Think about Mary for just a moment. Think about the wave of emotions that must have burst upon her. Those emotions are beyond our comprehension. Beyond our understanding. If I had an encounter with the angel Gabriel like she had, I would probably have been jumping up and down asking question after question after question after question. But not Mary. She simply said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You know why Mary was found why she found favor with God? I think one reason is because she did not question God or his plan for her life. I think, and at least I know I am, I am quick to question and slow to listen. Not only am I slow to listen, but oftentimes I am slow to obey. You know, we serve a God that truly does do the impossible through his creation, through his created. And you and I are his created, called and set apart to do impossible things through the eyes of man. But through God, we know that all things are possible. Know this, God wants to use you to do impossible things through him. For Mary, it was to usher in the Savior of the world. For you and me, it may be standing against a government or a judicial system seeking to repress our freedoms. It may be uprooting your family and going on a short-term mission trip and taking the gospel to a people group that has limited access to the gospel or no access to the gospel. It may be you and I releasing our children to go and live in a foreign land and serve amongst a people group that have never heard the name of Jesus. It may be standing up against oppression in the workplace. It may be claiming your campus for Christ when no one else will. It may be walking across the street and sharing the good news of salvation with the neighbor. What impossibility has the Lord called you to that you know that you must respond to? You know, a couple of years ago here at Friendship Baptist Church, there were a couple of impossibilities that were, that were before us. There were some things that we did not know how in the world God was going to um, 
make possible. But we claim verses like Luke one thirty seven for nothing will be impossible with God. And we also claim Isaiah 9-7. And Isaiah 9-7 says this, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We serve a God that, that, that can make the impossible possible, don't we? Every single day, God wants to use us to do impossible things through according to man. But we know that all things are possible through him. Isaiah 9, in Isaiah 9, the Lord made it clear hundreds of years before he broke into human history that he was going to come, that he was going to send his son into this world to provide salvation for those that call upon his name. And guess what? It happened. And guess what other promise we have in God's word? It's a promise that Jesus Christ is going to return again. It's called the second advent. My question for each of us in this room this morning is this. If Jesus Christ was to return today, would you be ready for his return? Have you come to the point in your life where you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you cried out to him and asked him to forgive you of your sins? And have you cried out and made the declaration that, that he is going to be the Lord of your life? If you have not done that this morning, I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. You may be sitting where you're sitting this morning thinking, ah, you know what, I'll do that after Christmas. Or, hey, I'll do it next Sunday on, on Christmas morning. What better way to, to, to become a believer than on Christmas morning, the day that we celebrate God breaking into human history? Sounds great, but the reality is this. You and I are not guaranteed tomorrow. The only day that we're guaranteed, the only moment that we're guaranteed is this moment. In James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, we read, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is a sin. You and I are not guaranteed tomorrow. The only moment that we are guaranteed is this moment. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. Romans 3.23. We've already looked at this verse this morning, but it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person that has ever walked the face of this earth, with the exception of Jesus Christ, has, they were born into sin. They have become sinners. All of us are sinners. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And the consequences for our sin, as Romans 6.23 makes it clear, the wages of sin is death. The consequences for our sin is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But the gift that God has provided to us through his son, Jesus Christ, is eternal life. If you are here this morning, you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. Our takeaway verse this morning is this. Acts three seventeen and following says, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, But when God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. 
that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Verse 19, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. What that means is this, turn to the Lord this morning instead of continuing to run from him. This morning, if you have never turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, come this morning and do that. I'm going to be standing here at the front. We're going to enter into a time that we call an invitation. And what this time is, it's an opportunity for you to respond to Jesus Christ. If the Lord is speaking to you this morning and sharing with you and, 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 and leading you unto himself, and you don't know what to do. I'm going to be here, and I want to share with you how you can enter into a, a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. If, if you're here this morning and you've been visiting this church for a while and the Lord is leading you to make this your church home, we invite you this morning to come and make this your church home. You may need to come and just kneel at this altar this morning. You may need to kneel at the place where you are sitting this morning. I don't know what the Lord is leading you to do, but as we enter into this time of invitation, You come if he's calling you to come. Let's stand together, and then I'm going to pray for us this morning. Father God, we come before you this morning, Lord Jesus, thanking you for for the promises that are found within your word. Thanking you for promises like Romans 10, 13, where it says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, I know in a room this size this morning that there are some here this morning that have never entered into a relationship with you. If they were to die today, they would spend eternity separated from you in hell. And Father, I think that today the reality of hell is no longer a reality because people do not believe that hell is a real place. Father, your word speaks a great deal about hell. And we know that hell is a real place. And so, Father, I pray that this morning, Lord Jesus, that every single person in this room will leave here knowing without a shadow of a doubt that if they were to die today, they're going to spend eternity with you in heaven. Father, if there's someone here, though, that's questioning, that has doubts, Father, may they not leave here this morning with an ounce of doubt. May today be the day that they firm up their salvation. Father, call them unto yourself this morning. Draw them unto salvation this morning. Father, just move now during this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.